The Buccaneers make it interesting and the rest swallow their whistles. That and more on today's live episode of Locked on Bucks. Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome into this live post-game Friday episode of Locked on Bucks, your daily podcast covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. We want to thank you for making Locked on Bucks your first listener view every single day. Don't forget you can subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can follow on Twitter. I am James Yarko at jarko underscore bucks. Deputy Editor of SB Nation's BucksNation.com here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers and our every livers who are staying up late for this episode. We went live at 12.25 a.m. on Friday, but we're here to talk about the Buccaneers and the Bills on Thursday night football. This episode of Locked on Bucks is brought to you by Price Picks, the easiest, most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL, all lowercase, for a first deposit match up to $100. On this episode, I am going to give you my two biggest complaints about this Thursday night game, and I'm going to give the Buccaneers a little mini bi-week checklist, to-do list, honey-do list, whatever you want to call it. But first, we have to talk about the biggest moment in this game. And for me, the biggest moment was the Antoine Winfield Jr. tipped ball that was intercepted by William Golston. At the time, the Bucs had just kicked a field goal Mind you, Chase McLaughlin had already had one blocked, so they had already lost three points in that aspect. But Winfield tips a Josh Allen pass, and it gets intercepted by William Golston, his first career interception in 11 seasons. And once again, we talk about it every week. We talk about it leading up to the game. We talk about it after the game. There's always one guy that we talk about every single week making a huge play, and it's Antoine Winfield Jr. once again. For those of you that caught the crossover episode, I talked to Joe Marino of Locked On Bills about how I believe Antoine Winfield Jr. is the best safety in the NFL. He goes out there in primetime, makes a huge play, and it turns into points because that William Golston interception ended up leading to Chris Godwin's first touchdown catch of the year and tied the game up at 10. Now, the Buccaneers still went into half down 17 to 10, but if you take a look at the way that the events unfolded, the Buffalo Bills up 10 to 3 could have marched right down the field, gone up 13 to 3, gone up 17 to 3, you know, whatever the case may be, and instead, the Buccaneers are able to tie the game up Steal a little bit of momentum. The Bills did score on the ensuing drive. The Buccaneers had a chance towards the end of, of the half. Ended up 
opting not to kick a 59-yard field goal, which I'm okay with. I'm going to go ahead and say that right now. I'm okay with not kicking the 59-yarder because there were like 16 or 19 seconds left on the clock. And if, if Chase McLaughlin misses that or if that one gets blocked, now all of a sudden the Bills are setting up shop at about midfield with two timeouts left. They could have gotten into scoring range again and gotten the second half kickoff. The game would have been long over by that point. So I was okay with Todd Bowles opting not to kick the 59-yard field goal. But that Antoine Winfield Jr. play basically turned this game on its head and really got the Buccaneers right back in it. A couple of other key moments to me in this game, and I'm going to jump over to the chat here in just a second, but it was the Rashad White catch and run on second and 14 with just over 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. This came after Luke Gedeke's third false start of the game. Going to talk more about that in a minute. Uh, and an incomplete pass intended for Trey Palmer. So White gets a, a short dump off, runs, picks up 20 yards, gets a first down, and kick starts what ended up being the Buccaneers' 17-play scoring drive capped off by a Mike Evans touchdown and a Cade Otten two-point conversion. It was their longest scoring drive in terms of plays and yards this season, and it all started with that second down play by Rashad White to get things going, get them out of that danger zone where they started the majority of their drives inside their own 10-yard line. Rashad White was absolutely fantastic as a pass catcher for the second week in a row. Another key moment was Devin White's stop of Latavius Murray on third and three that did force the Bills to punt the ball, gave the offense a chance where they nearly capitalized, but more on that a little bit later. And Devin White, overall, again, not a great game. You saw him, you know, miscontain, uh, you know, not really pursue James Cook or Josh Allen on some of these running plays that that turned into to big chunks and and big moments for the Buffalo Bills. And I'm starting to agree with Evan Klosky. There seems to be something off with Devin White. I don't know if it's, if it's an undisclosed injury that he's dealing with, if it was the injury from earlier in the year that he's still dealing with. He just hasn't been limited or, or anything like that in practice. It hasn't been reported. I don't know. I don't want to, to you know put words in anybody's mouth if, if something is wrong with Devin White. But he doesn't look like that same explosive player that we saw against the Minnesota Vikings earlier in the season that we saw against the, the I think his next big game was against the Philadelphia Eagles, where we even saw him kind of strain that, that hamstring issue on his interception of Jalen Hurts. Something's not right there, but Devin White, a really average to below average game, a really quiet night until that key play to give the offense a chance. And then finally, and, and this wasn't a key moment in the game so much as a key moment before the game, and that is the fact that Vita Vea missed this game against the Buffalo Bills, and it could have changed the entire complexion of the game, especially how good Cook looked against the Buccaneers, how easily Josh Allen was running the ball right up the middle numerous times throughout the night. The Bills finished with 4.4 yards per carry, but they were at five yards per carry into the third quarter. 
James Cook had 4.8 yards per carry. Vita Vea changes all of that. Literally all of that. Vita Vea is that guy in the middle. Josh Allen probably isn't running for a touchdown in the first quarter. It might have been the second quarter. I can't remember now. It's been a long day. Um, but a lot of these wide open running lanes are not there if Vita Vea is the guy that is clogging up the middle. I do want to uh, jump over to the chat real quick. Demon Hunter, my my guy, he's an every liver and every dayer. He says, bench Ryan Neal. Yep. That's all I got for you. It's it's been it's been bad. Uh, we got hello in the chat, who says honestly, I'm more optimistic about the rest of the season after tonight than I was after the Falcons' loss. If there's one thing we can say about this Buccaneers team, there's no quit in them. You know, you're down 24 to 10 in the fourth quarter. You've started numerous possessions inside your 10, inside your five. You have had three and out after three and out after three and out. And then you put together a 17-play, 96-yard drive. 90, I guess it was 92. But goodness gracious, you know, that is a team that was not going to quit, not going to give up. But we have plenty more to discuss about this game coming up in just a moment, including my two biggest issues with this game that is coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, then there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Right now on FanDuel. The Cincinnati Bengals are four-and-a-half-point road underdogs against the San Francisco 49ers. Here's a little insider tip. When the Buccaneers have lost this year, the Bengals have won. When the Bengals have lost this year, the Buccaneers have won. Funny how that works. So hammer the Bengals plus four and a half on the road against the San Francisco 49ers. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off this NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Thank you again for making Locked On Bucks your first listener view every single day. Every dayers, football season is here, and Locked On is kicking up our coverage with Locked On NFL Kickoff Live. Each Friday, Locked On will go live at 2 p.m. Eastern on every Locked On NFL YouTube channel. Hosts Tanitra, Jarvis, and Kyle will break down every game on the NFL slate to get you ready for your team's matchup, your fantasy lineups, your betting angles, and more. Plus, get in-depth local analysis from our stable of NFL hosts across the country who know these teams better than anyone else. Find Locked On NFL Kickoff Live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern on any Locked On NFL YouTube channel. I had a lot of issues with this game, kind of like I'm having issues right now, literally 
15 seconds before I went live, I had a massive coughing fit. Now my throat's killing me. So if I start breaking out in a cough, I apologize in advance. But lots of issues with this game in a lot of different facets, a lot of different aspects. And we can dive more into that when we return on Monday. But I want to talk about two things in particular right now. And our everydayers know where I'm going to go first. And it's no surprise, knock it off with these god-awful, stupid penalties, these unforced errors that you keep shooting yourself in the foot with. The opening drive, the opening drive against the Buffalo Bills. The Buccaneers approach midfield, first and 10 at the 48, false start. Becomes first and 15, Bucks don't recover, they punt the ball away. You had Rashad White from the Bills 40-yard line break off a 26-yard run, get inside the 15, and it was called back for a hold on Trey Palmer. That's Palmer's third holding penalty in two weeks. At this point, I'm about ready to institute the Charles Sims rule. If you're running the ball, Trey Palmer's not allowed to be on the field. You're absolutely telegraphing what you're about to do by doing that, but you know what you're not going to do? You're not going to continuously move backwards because Trey Palmer keeps holding on run plays. The very next play after that holding penalty, false start on Luke Gedeke. So the Bucs go from the 14-yard line to the 48-yard line. They only end up gaining nine yards. They kick a field goal. Stop beating yourself. These are mental mistakes. This is hearkening back to the dirt cutter era. 11 penalties for 74 yards is inexcusable. These players, these coaches, they have to hold each other accountable and they have to fix it. But here's my biggest issue of this game. And it, it it's petty. It's... <clears throat> it's frustrating because the Buccaneers left plenty of plays and plenty of opportunities out on that field. Let's rewind the clock. Two weeks ago against the New York Giants, the Buffalo Bills were called for defensive pass interference in the end zone and gave the New York Giants an untimed down at the end of the game that the Bills were leading 14-9. to Then they got away with defensive pass interference on the final play. Fast forward to Thursday night's game. Baker Mayfield chucks the ball 60 yards in the air because that was about halfway into the end zone when that thing came down, and he chucked it from a little bit behind the 45-yard line. Kate Otten was pulled down. But more egregiously, Chris Godwin was wrapped up and pulled down by his jersey as the ball was approaching him, and there was no flag. If it's a penalty in the first quarter, if it's a penalty in the third quarter, if it's a penalty, it's a penalty, even on a Hail Mary, period. End of discussion. Godwin was wrapped, he was spun, he was pulled, and maybe, 
We've seen the red zone woes of the of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Maybe they don't score from the one yard line, and we're still talking about the Buccaneers losing twenty four to eighteen. But maybe they do. Maybe Rashad White gets a handoff and goes into the end zone. Maybe Mike Evans gets a jump ball. Chris Godwin gets his second of the game. Kate Otten gets a game winner for the second time in his career. They deserved the opportunity because of the penalty that Buffalo egregiously and blatantly committed with two referees standing there watching that decided, nah, we're done. Let's move on. It, it was it was ridiculous because if Tom Brady is the quarterback of the Buccaneers when that play happens, they get the call. If the roles were reversed and the Buccaneers were up 24 to 18 and Josh Allen chucks it into the end zone and that happens to Stephon Diggs, that's a penalty. If Burrow, Joe Burrow's throwing it to T. Higgins or Patrick Mahomes is throwing to literally any human being on planet Earth, they're getting that call. It was blatant. It was obvious. It wasn't ticky-tack. It wasn't debatable. It was letter of the law as clear pass interference as you could ever get. And again, the Buccaneers squandered a lot of opportunities. They had a lot of three and outs. Baker Mayfield missed passes. Receivers dropped passes. You know, I'm not saying one play does not win or lose a football game. But on the last play of the game, when you have that level of penalty occur and it doesn't get called, that's not all right. You you go back to just last week alone where the Indianapolis Colts got completely hosed. And the NFL came out and they were like, yeah, sorry about that. Probably probably shouldn't have happened that way. And Jim Irsay is calling for all penalties to be reviewable in the final two minutes. That would have put the ball at the one-yard line for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. An official cannot keep the flag in their pocket in that situation ever. Ever. It was infuriating. And, and at that point, I had conceded that the game was over and the Bucs were going to lose. So to have that happen and be that close to one of the most improbable comebacks you would see this season, it it stings and it's, it's frustrating. All right. Going to jump over to the chat really, really quick. Adventure is out there, says Joe Tryon Trianko is very quiet tonight. It looked like he just quit on one play. Yeah, not a not a great uh, not a great outing for Joe Tryon Troyinka. But outside of Antoine Winfield Jr., who really had a great night on the defensive side of the ball, I I can't really think of it. Dean had a couple of nice pass breakups. I would say he's probably the number two guy, but really not a whole lot to write home about on on the defensive side. Even Levante didn't have a, a great game. Um, we have, uh, dingle hog. Yeah. Three DPIs in the end zone. One of them was being sandwiched between two DBs. Yeah, it was, it was egregious. It was bad. Uh, <laughs> hello in the chat. So you're saying you can't just tackle people on hail Marys. That is exactly what I'm saying. 
That is 100% what I am saying. Um, but hey, I guess when you're one of the teams that is talked about as being a Super Bowl contender, they tend to look the other way. Um, you know, Buffalo brings in ratings, brings in money. I'm not saying that's the actual reason, but it it's frustrating for sure. But what do the Buccaneers need to focus on heading into this mini bye week following a Thursday night loss? That is next here on Locked on Bucks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS, and it's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you just pick more or less than uh, specific stat projections on a two to six player roster and watch the winnings roll in. Prize Picks is really simple to play, and I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes Price Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. And now, Price Picks offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code Locked on NFL, all lowercase, for a first deposit match up to $100. Price picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Did the game go to timeout? Well, time to order in with DoorDash. Is it halftime? That's ordering time. Two-minute warning, you got it. That's your cue to order in. Order for whatever craving may strike you. Maybe you're in the mood for a Cuban sandwich and potato balls from Cuban Express. Maybe today is more of a shell seafood kind of day, or you're going to grab some wings from Shamrock's Ale House. All of your favorite restaurants and stores from retail to grocery are on the app so you can shop everything you need to get game ready. Get prepared before game day and stock up on your favorite appetizers and order all of your tailgate gear on DoorDash. Then get ready to watch your team win. Get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKED23. Subject to change, terms apply. Don't forget to use code LOCKED23. That's L-O-C-K-E-D, the number two and the number three for 50% off up to a $10 value on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and spend $15 or more. Subject to change. Terms apply. Wrapping things up here on a live post-game reaction episode in the wee hours of the morning. We're coming up on 1 a.m. So big thank you to all of you in the live chat joining me. Uh, for this episode, but what do the Buccaneers need to put their energy and focus on or focus into during this mini bye week? And I'm going to talk about something from the offense. I'm going to talk about something from the defense, I'm even going to talk about the uh, front office. So let's start with the offensive side of the ball and Dave Canales, who, again, I like 
I enjoy Dave Canales. I think he's going to be a good offensive coordinator. But right now, you're seven games in. You've lost three in a row. The offense has been less than stellar since coming out of the bye. So Dave Canales needs to get a couple of things figured out. He's starting to get a little stale, a little predictable in his play calling. And that's the last thing that you want. And he's still trying to figure some of this stuff out. So again, long leash. I'm not going to sit here and pound the table for him to be fired. I'm not going to call him Byron Leftwich. He's still, you know, baptism by fire. He's learning on the go, learning on the fly. Everything that he's seeing, he's seeing for the first time, every situation that he's in, he's in for the first time. It'll come together. But now's another time where you have the opportunity to sit down and start tweaking some things. I want to see him continue to utilize Rashad White in the passing game the way we've seen over the course of the last couple of weeks because Rashad White in the passing game has become an absolute weapon. He is shifty. He is making guys miss. He is picking up first downs. And it's all from these little three, four-yard dump-offs. And then he's making the plays happen. That's what you want to see out of him in the running game, and we just haven't. But if you're gonna, if you're going to add another threat to this offense, it needs to be Rashad White in the passing game. But you still need him to run the ball. So for the love of God, can we get a fullback? Line up Coquiefed back there. Line up Vita Vea back there. I don't care. Old school I formation. Give him a lead blocker. Try to spring him for some runs. And the run game looked better against the Buffalo Bills, but they're the 31st in the NFL in yards per carry allowed. The Buccaneers averaged four and a half yards a carry against the Bills on Thursday night, by far their best of the year. But you have to be able to find a way to continue to run the ball effectively. Use a fullback. Nothing else is working. Just do it. What do you have to lose? Uh, and then finally, you have got to get Mike Evans involved earlier in the game. Mike Evans was silent up until he made a huge catch that got called back because, of course, it did. Why wouldn't it? And then he ends up with the touchdown catch. He's absolutely tearing it up in uh, in the end zone this year. Mike Evans' fantasy owners are super dope. Uh, or uh, uh, super psyched that he got that touchdown for them at the end of the game. But he has to be involved earlier and more often than we saw in this Buffalo game. That's the only recipe for success. Hyper-target Mike Evans, hyper-target Chris Godwin, let the rest of the chips fall where they may. I'm going to flip it over to the defensive side of the ball. Back to the drawing board for Todd Bowles. You've got to figure out this third down stuff on the defensive side of the ball. At one point, the Buffalo Bills were six of nine on third down. They finished seven of 13. So the Bucs held them to one of four down the stretch, but that's still above a 50% success rate on third down. Can't have it. You cannot have this defense always rely on turnovers. You have to get off the field with stops and that may mean benching Ryan Neal because he is far and away the biggest liability on this defense. Once again, it's not working. What do you have to lose? If you put D Delaney in for Ryan Neal, what's going to happen? D Delaney's going to be out of position and give up a big play. 
You see that three times a game out of Ryan Neal. So Todd Bowles needs to go back to the drawing board, figure out what made this defense so successful before the bye week and how they can return to that form and get off the field on third downs, give the offense opportunities to put more points on the board. And finally, I am going to talk about the front office. Figure out your long-term plan. That's that's They already have one, but you need to hammer it out now because the trade deadline is coming up next week, and there are lots of players on this Buccaneers team that are on expiring deals, and there are lots of players that expect to get paid handsomely. Evaluate who's in your future plans, and if they're not in your future plans, whether that's schematically or financially, move them. Move them. If they're worth the draft capital, move them. Send them to teams that can contend. Send them to teams that are going to give you the best offer that you can get on some of these expiring contracts. Antoine Winfield Jr. isn't going anywhere. Tristan Wirfs isn't going anywhere. I don't think Mike Evans is going anywhere. Devin White. Shaq Barrett. If this is a team that you feel doesn't have their answer at QB in Baker Mayfield, has these guys that are going to test the waters in free agency and you may not get them back, or if you feel that they have priced themselves out of your budget because of the open market, evaluate what you need, evaluate your capital, draft capital. Evaluate your salary cap situation. Start moving some of these guys to load up on draft capital so you can fill those needs in the offseason. Or put yourself in a position where you've stockpiled enough picks that you can move up. If you don't think Baker's the guy, put yourself in a spot where you can move up and get a Drake May. or. You know, put yourself in a, you're you're not going to get Caleb Williams. The number one pick is going to cost too much. But there are franchise quarterbacks in this draft. And with the salary cap situation, with the expiring contracts, it's worth it's worth taking under consideration. And if you know Todd Bowles is going to keep his job beyond this year, sit down with him. And sit down with Dave Canales and figure out what their vision for the future of this team is. And start preparing now. Because if this thing continues to spiral out of control, the Bucs are looking at a top 10 pick. If you can maneuver and get yourself a Drake May, get yourself, some people are high on Bo Nix. I'm not one of them. But you can set up the future pretty well. and. The NFL trade deadline is, has become a little bit of a thing. I'm going to hit the chat one more time before we get out of here. Uh, we got <laughs> Demon Hunter says, at least D, speaking of D Delaney, will get takeaways. That's true. That's true. Um, we got uh, Dinglehog says, I agree. I believe our run blocking needs a lot of work. Rashad and another solid RB2, and they will be fine. 
that's another position you might want to stockpile some draft capital for. They have not had great luck with these third, fourth, fifth round running backs. You may be looking at a situation where you're taking one high in the second, or if you have the capital to move up and you can get to pick 31, pick 32, take the number one or number two running back off the board and get that fifth year option. Might be a, a, a thing to explore. And, and our everydayers know David and I, every year that we've done this podcast, we have talked about drafting a high round running back and it has yet to happen. And they're still looking for answers at running back. Adventure is out there, says, I think Baker is fine. He needs an offensive line. I like Baker. I, I think Baker's going to be fine. But is Baker going to win you a Super Bowl? Is Baker going to take you over the top? If he's not, you need to find the guy that will. Uh, last one, we got a hog back in the chat. Unfortunately, they will they will win too many games for that high of a pick. You would hope so. I still think that this is a Buccaneers team that can finish with a winning record, that can compete for the NFC South, but it starts next week after this mini buy. They cannot drop to three and five. You drop to three and five, that hill is going to be almost impossible to climb out of, but plenty more reaction to the loss to the Buffalo Bills and looking ahead both into the future of this team and into week nine of the NFL season coming up on Monday when we will be back. Please check out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. Follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, check out, you know, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcatcher of choice. And that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining me right here on Locked on Bucks. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding weekend. Stay safe, stay healthy, fire the cannons. Thank you so much for joining me right here on Locked on Bucks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Oh, 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 oh,